I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched Disney's The Rescuers Down Under, the first Disney sequel. Who wants to do a spoiler-free plot synopsis? Um, I think I might be able to. All right. Okay. All right. So it's uh, it's still uh, the Rescue Aid Society, Bernard and Bianca, uh, but the it starts out a young boy named Cody who lives in the outback. Uh, he seems to his kind of mission. He communes with the animals, and if an animal is caught in a trap or something, he alarm is set off and he goes and helps. So uh, the story basically is that this huge, gigantic uh, golden eagle is initially caught. Cody frees. The eagle, the eagle has three eggs and the male eagle has already been killed. But what happens on Cody's way back, he gets in a trap by our villain, McLean, who traps animals. McLeach. McLeach and traps all kinds of animals and has a sidekick, this kind of lizard, uh, Joanna. Uh, But anyway, the boy gets caught. McLeach is trying to have him lead him to the uh, female golden eagle. And that's where the Rescue Aid Society comes in when Cody is captured uh, and Bernard and Bianca are chosen to rescue. They come down. We have a new character um, instead of our a different albatross, uh, Wilbur. And yeah, so the whole story unfolds with the Rescue Aid Society trying to rescue Cody and Cody trying to protect the eagle and her eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, all right. Let's who words. Okay. Give me a sec. Babe earlier, um, before we watched the movie, you expressed concern about if you would need to retroactively change your rating for the original one, because you were concerned that this one might just outclass it in every way to where you would feel like you needed to change that. Uh Do you still feel that way? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Not that this was bad, but, but I would recommend it. Yeah. Um, I think it's safe to say that each movie brings different elements to the table. Yes, that's a a very nice way to put it. Uh, And I would definitely recommend it too. It came out in my birth year and I just, I watched it so much as a kid. I love Uh, this movie. Aw, I also would recommend this movie. 13, what? A 13 year difference between when the- 77 and 1990, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let's get specific. So let's start talking about, actually, let me see. I probably have some fun facts to share first. Yes, I do. This is the first Disney sequel ever created and the first animated film to be created completely digitally using the CAPS process. Uh, There are several elements in the film that are CG, such as the Field of Flowers in the beginning, McLeach's truck, and perspective shots when Wilbur's flying. And then finally, Pixar collaborated on the project, helping with the CAPS system in particular. What does CAPS mean? Um, I forget exactly what it stands for, but it's basically a way of animating where all of the elements are in the computer and they don't have to physically put cutouts on a board and and like use a physical camera and everything. They're able to have all of the individual elements in the computer. They're able to draw directly into the computer. Yeah, it's just a, and and this is the first, it's interesting if you look at, because everyone talks about the um, 
Renaissance, starting with The Little Mermaid. I disagree on that point, but sure, if we go with that, if you compare the animation of The Little Mermaid to this or to all of the other ones that came after it, um, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, every everything after it, there's just, there's a difference. It's kind of like looking at 90s anime compared to 2000s and later anime. There's a cleanness yeah. to the later work because it's in a computer and it is colored digitally and it's created digitally that is, isn't present. It, it feels not necessarily dirtier. It just, it feels more analog in a way in the Little Mermaid and in older anime and stuff that because they are actually physically having to animate cells and stuff like that, that isn't present in in most of the animated movies I saw in my childhood, because I saw obviously a bunch of 90s animated movies. So all the Disney Renaissance stuff, Cats Don't Dance, um, Quest for Camelot, all of that stuff is animated, if not specifically with the cap system. I don't know if that it was something other studios were able to use, mm-hmm. but digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, they just, they look different as a result. And I, I have quite a bit of fondness and nostalgia for both looks. So, um, but yeah, this was the first one. So. Yeah, I definitely agree that this one looked cleaner, especially when compared to its uh, first movie. Oh yeah, especially compared to that, because that's Xerox, um, which is the style of animating that Disney had been using since 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't know all the technical differences, but basically compared to the Disney movies before it, they were able, I think it was able, they were able to more quickly do things and um, copy things. And it, it had a kind of rougher look. Yeah, you could see more lines uh, around the faces and things like that. And I, I liked it for yeah. the original Rescuers. Uh, but it just, yeah, it was a noticeable difference watching that one than this movie. Yeah, and that, that roughness is definitely something that you feel in a lot of the Disney movies of the era, 101 Dalmatians, Aristocats, Jungle Book, they they all kind of have it. I think Rescuers is honestly one of the rougher looking ones, which isn't necessarily a criticism. It just like the lines are really Noticeable. obvious in yeah. the original. But but yeah, if this I'm, oh, if, yeah, sure. If I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, you still have animators hand yes. drawing the pictures. People are still hand drawing People are still hand-drawing animation, but they're hand-drawing it into a computer. And so the actual, like, how animation worked before digital technology is basically, like, they have to draw characters on translucent paper and, and put each individual pose on a physical thing on top of a background and then put a cover on it, take a picture with the camera pull open the thing, put another picture down. Like it was a long laborious process kind of you get Cause I think a lot, I think a lot of people are still relatively aware of how um, claymation and, and, and that sort of animation is done. It's sort of similar to that in that you're having to change or manipulate a thing, then take a picture of it, then do that again and do it that like 24 times a second to get animation, you know, like, that's that's what the process was and this was the first one where a lot of that process was streamlined and made a lot easier because it was digital okay well that it was put in yeah put into the computer okay got it also the animators did lots of studies for this movie they visited australia and got a sense of the scenery and the wildlife um and there were also individual studies done on hawks and other 
uh, animals that appear in the movie. And I think you can definitely feel that there's a um, yeah. beautiful movement. There's a sense of realism to some of the animals movements in this movie that weren't necessarily there in the original. Not for every animal. There are certainly characters that are much more cartoony than others, but especially the hawk. Uh, I forget her name right now. Yeah, the just hmm? the eagle. Yes, yeah, sorry, the Mara eagle. Hute. Mara Hute. Um, especially her. Um, the the boar that you see later in the movie. Like the different animals that are particularly the more realistic animals are animated quite realistically. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I mean, just beautiful movement. Just beautiful movement, yes. Definitely. Oh, and then one last thing. This is kind of dipping into characters. So our main character in this movie is Cody, a little white boy. Storyboard artist Joe Ranft didn't want that to be the case. He served as the story story supervisor and had creative disagreements with the studio management and marketing executives, particularly over his disagreement where he wanted an Aboriginal Australian child actor to voice Cody, but was overridden, and the decision was made to cast a little white blonde kid, as I believe he put it. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, we could have we could have had a um Aboriginal Australian child, which would have been a first, I do believe, in yeah. in animation. Um, that made would a lot still of sense. be probably a first. It was done now, at least in Western animation. Yeah, that would have been neat, but that is unfortunately not what we got. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's start going in on the story and the characters and voice acting if you want any of that stuff. Uh, I'll just I... try to keep in my mind, sorry, that this was uh, uh, Steve Irwin. No, I'm just teasing. What? <laughs> That's the only excuse they have um, for having a little white boy. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> if it was Steve Does Irwin. That... I have no idea. Would Hunter. he have been that old? I Crocodile no Hunter. I know no, who you're I talking about. I'm just like, how old was I? Oh. That's a silly comment, Mom. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> I, just wanna, I just want to say that Cody is a Disney princess in his relationship to animals. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, he just, he just, the opening thing with it is just him going through the forest and having all these animals congregate around him and talking to them and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I think they no. did a, a disservice to Bernard's character for the most part in the movie. I, he wasn't as clumsy as they made him out to be uh, in this movie compared to the first one. But uh, yeah, like story wise, I, I can see why they did it. Yeah, like there's there's lots of gags um, yeah. with Bernard, like something happening to him in the background as other characters are trying to do stuff or yeah there's there's lots he's very put upon in this movie it feels like yeah and i guess i didn't get that as much in the first one no i definitely don't think that was i think the 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 original with it felt like was a little more focused just on him being kind of scaredy scared and superstitious yeah but but this one had a lot more visual gags of just him getting dunked on by things basically (laughs) yeah I know. Well, and also to me, it was, it's, it felt a little bit out of character for Bianca to just not even be aware of where Bernard was at like, you know, taking off with almost without him and him just trailing behind. I don't know. That bothered me a little bit because, you know, like when, I mean, whatever mode of transportation that she would just be with uh, Jake and, you know, Bernard was sitting somewhere and then would have to jump and grab onto something. And I just don't, I just felt like that's a little bit out of character for Bianca. They were in the first movie always holding each other's hands, making sure each other was there, 
you know, I don't know. Yeah, I I definitely think Bianca's portrayal is perhaps the weakest aspect of this movie compared to the original. That's true. She, yeah, she doesn't notice that Bernard is, like, unhappy and not having a good time for, like, most of the movie. And she also vague spoilers but she doesn't really get to do anything <laughs> like she doesn't yeah, that's true. she doesn't yeah, no, really she... get to do anything to make the plot go uh, yeah and she's that's unfortunate yeah, she, yeah they kind of almost make her a damsel in distress in some regards in some ways and again she doesn't really do anything like you're saying to help rescue Cody or any of the other animals. Yeah, like we'll we'll talk about it more in spoilers, but I mean the end of the movie is basically like a heroic Bernard show which kind of in the just shunts the new character Jake and especially Bianca to the to the side so that Bernard can have his moment and yeah. I feel like we could have let him have his moment while also letting them actually do things, but we'll talk about that more in spoilers. Yeah, in the first part of the story, though, yeah, you have Jake taking the lead on a lot of things, and I think, yeah, it could have been nice to have Bianca do some of that instead of Jake, of just like a... like vague girl power whatever sure but it still would have been nice yeah hokey 90s girl power would have been nicer than the nothing that we got basically yeah yeah so all in all i would go ahead and call this a aladdin sequels towards jasmine yeah. issue mm, of like yeah. i still like the aladdin sequels quite a bit um for return of jafar especially but they don't do jasmine justice and i like this sequel quite a bit more than the original but it does not do Bianca justice. Yeah. I agree. I agree. In other uh, news, so that kid can just like easily scale a cliff. Like it's nothing. Apparently. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little scared <laughs> close to the top. But like the camera makes it very clear that this is a very big cliff and he effortlessly scales it without any climbing equipment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I loved seeing the mice in different um, places of the world relaying the message. That was so cute. That was really cute. It's like mm-hmm. the Hawaiian shirt mice. Yeah, like, yeah. I know, I know. The mouse was just in like a destroyed plane or whatever. Like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Poor Bernard thinking he, that Bianca understood that he wanted to get married for like two minutes <laughs> until finally realizing <laughs> that she did not know that. That was sad, especially when she like brings him in front of the whole rescue aid society. And you can tell on his face that he thinks she's just going to announce to everyone that they're going to be married. And that's not what happens. (sighs) Poor Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I put Bernard, don't be possessive. He's a bird because he got like in front of Bianca when Wilbur did a little bit of light flirtation. And it's like. It's a bird, man. Yeah, you it's like this really is a competition. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah, she's with right? you though. Like you're fine. Yeah, yeah. John Candy was a good voice actor, but his character was a bit much through the whole film. Yeah it it feels a little bit like Robin Williams in the third Aladdin movie. Not as bad. I would not say. to no, not to that extent. But it's a little like that. Where yeah. you're like, we got a comedic talent. And we're so amused by all the things that they do that we don't want to cut all of it. Yeah, he's got the jokes, guys. Yeah, like the first Aladdin did a good job of doing the amount of Robin Williams that was good for the story and the character. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this one is a little too much John Candy. Yeah. 
like overall enjoyable, but a little too much. Yeah, could have like, pulled back. Yeah, like the whole end of the film, uh, as a joke situation. Um, yeah, I don't know. Of course, we have Wilbur instead of Orville because Orville's voice actor, Jim Jordan, died in 1988, like right before they were doing casting. Um, And thus they decided to just go ahead and write his character out and have his brother be in it rather than try to recast or anything like that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Also, this was Ava Gabor's final film role before uh, before her death in 1995. So she still had five years after this, which was... Unfortunately, more than John Candy had, um, yeah. but she was also a lot older than John Candy, so she didn't have any other roles after this, whereas mm-hmm. he was definitely in several other things. Yeah. Because he was basically at the height of his popularity. Yeah. So. So sad. Yeah. When did he die? 94. Wow. So, yeah. you know, good movies, so much sadness around the casting. There's, and There's and, a fair and... amount of death in both of these movies as far as the voice talent behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. That nurse mouse was really into the idea of shooting someone in the butt with a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Like, real into it. That that was a very silly detour. I know it's to get him out of the way, character-wise, but it was... Yeah. It's kind of a lot, but I can go back to my childhood place and remember that I thought it was hilarious oh, as a yeah. kid. So and like it does work very well for kids. They're very cute. All those little mice and their little nurse outfits. Yes. And then yes, she just, just shoots him. Yes. She just like lines up the shot. I, I don't blame him taking off when they were going to use a saw to open I know, him up. It's right? like, okay, I'd be like totally out of there. It's like, what yeah. exactly was the plan with the saw? Um, I don't know. That just seemed like that. Yeah. Other than before that, you know, I thought, okay, you know, they're relaxing him. They're doing this and that. But yeah, that, that saw was a little bit too much. That that scene went on a little bit too much, uh, for, you know, a little little long for me, but Overall, it wasn't, it wasn't too, it wasn't, you know, too bad again. Yeah, and I I think, I think it's fairly safe to say that the, I think there's like at least two scenes because you kind of cut back and forth to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's fairly safe to say that that part of the movie was definitely written with kids in mind um, because, yeah, it hit pretty funny. It hit pretty well as a kid. And now it's kind of like, it's mildly funny, but it, it's not like it's like i'm ready to go back to the main story now mm-hmm. yeah so mccreech wants leech mccleech thank you wants money and presumably has gotten some because from his poaching because yeah. he got another big bird apparently but also he lives in a cave <laughs> like <laughs> just an actual cave i mean with probably- very he has a radio yeah, that, and like that's, a fridge. <laughs> that's the thing where he said at some point that uh, she would make him a lot of money. It's like you apparently killed the dad before. Why don't you have a lot of money now? Yeah, maybe he spent it all on the truck. Maybe because <laughs> that truck was gigantic and pretty tricked out with gadgets. So. Yeah, they did a good job making it just a very intimidating vehicle. Yes, yes, yes. Like design it was like a monster. Wise. That truck could be a character i guess i liked um his whole when he's listening to the radio and he's like who outsmarted who huh who outsmarted who which is i think our first kind of real look at the fact that he fancies himself an intellectual even though he uh 
as he then later puts it, made it all the way through third grade. Yeah, I know, did. I was going to say, one of my favorite um, lines I really was, want, yeah, I, I yeah. really want to stan him as a Disney villain. Like, he's never brought up with uh, good Disney villains. And yeah. I think that's a crying shame, because McLeach is fun. Yeah. Like, the, the voice actor, uh, what was his name? George C. Scott, which... The character's name mm, is Percival yes. C. McLeach. I do believe that C was in honor of George mm, C. Scott. That's funny. Um, he does a great job. No, he's like, like voice acting very good. Yeah. And they do a lot with just his character his movements and things like that. Yeah, I think they do a good job of having him be funny, but also intimidating mm-hmm. because it's like, this is not a smart man. This is a violent man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just... We need put McLeach in Villainous and put him when we're talking about great Disney villains. He needs to be in the conversation. Sure. He's not like upper echelon, but he should be in the conversation. Yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, I think we can please let's all agree. He is also way better villain than the two villains that were in the last movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I was going to say, first of all, that George C. Scott was a prolific actor. I figured. He definitely transferred well to voice acting. But we mentioned in, I believe it was Quest for Camelot, how that that villain was not even an effective villain, which took away the fact that he was not as menacing because he really wasn't an effective villain. Whereas McLeach was at a very effective villain all the way to the very end, even, you know, fighting off his opponents. It was only a force of, you know, yeah. So I just mean, he stayed menacing throughout the entire, the entire movie. And the fact that he was, it was a fun gag, his thinking he's so smart. And yeah, one of my favorite lines that you mentioned earlier was that I, I, I didn't force myself or I didn't suffer through all the way through third grade for nothing. You'd think it would be much higher. But then even when um, Joanna is stealing eggs from him and ends up outsmarting and getting all of the eggs and he thinks he's so smart, but he's still very dangerous. And he does, of course, ultimately trick Cody. And yeah, he's, he's just, he's very menacing and very lethal, you know, very potentially lethal and dangerous throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And I think part of what makes him work is who the, he's the antagonist to, because if this was a movie where our main cast were adult humans, he wouldn't be a good villain because it's like, if they're even reasonably smart, they should be able to outsmart this dude. Yeah. But because he's the antagonist to a child who he towers over because he's a long man and the other main characters are mice, he is intimidating because it's like, even if they're smarter than him, he is dangerous in a, in a yeah. way that like, that's going to be hard for a kid and mice to outsmart this guy, even if they are smarter than him, just yeah. because of the power he wields. Yeah. So yeah, this is a very this is definitely a case of like really correctly tailoring a villain to the heroes of the story. Like he wouldn't work in other stories very well, but in this one he is a perfect villain. Right. And the other I think thing that I that I think's worthy of note is that he might not be intellectually smart, but he is definitely worldly and definitely knows the area. And and therefore, he is a good opponent to Cody, who also seems to really know 
this area the you know the terrain the the indigenous animals and all of that so he's not an idiot as far as that and he and he and it's also interesting because it also makes he is so unlikable because he is so menacing to all of the nature around him, just plowing down trees with his huge vehicle and just just not caring one bit about about the indigenous life around him. Just, you know, just destroying it. I liked the way that also when we first meet him, he like fakes being sweet towards this kid. Like yeah. he's not, I think a lesser, a, a not as well constructed villain would have just been mean to Cody from the outset to be like, look at how much of a bad guy they are. But he, he feels at least a little bit believable because he sees that a human child is in his trap rather than an animal he wants. And he's like, the easiest course of action for me is to be nice to this kid and let them go home and pretend like this wasn't a poaching thing yeah. rather than kill a kid or, or whatever. And like have, to deal with the authorities. It's only once he like realizes that this kid could help him get the thing he wants so much that he's like, eh, maybe it is worth the extra effort to try to fool the others into thinking this kid died or whatever. Yeah. But that's not his first course of action. Yeah. 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 No fair. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just very, very I dynamic. Oh, as far as, Depth. I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying he's not somewhat of a one note, but I just oh, mean sure. just much more, just much more dynamic, definitely than our other characters. And even again, like you you mentioned, definitely stands up to some of the great Disney villains. Definitely, you know, somewhere, you know, definitely should be worthy of no, you know, part of the conversation. You know, if you had a if you have a line of best to least, maybe it would be on the lower end, but still should be in there somewhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's no Ursula or Scar or Jafar or Hades, but he's, he's still like a much better villain than some of the lowest tier Disney villains. No, Yeah. I think he's got parts of that personality that the ones you've named have. Yeah. Like Like the singing, his body movements, uh, oh yeah, I have even more notes on him in the animation yeah, section. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you mentioned those as great ones, and and there's a number of reasons, but part of it is the personality that they have, and he has some of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, also, since we're talking about characters, uh, both of us, or you had Danica, think thought that you remembered Cody being much more annoying. I think, or also thinking that Cody basically created his own mess but actually no it was it was refreshing and enjoyable to watch in the movie they i think they did a nice job of establishing that cody was part of a really neat little ecosystem there that they had worked out where if an animal was caught he was going to free them and so his whole motivation obviously was protecting this great golden eagle and her eggs so i definitely don't and then of course not his fault when he was rescuing a little mouse that he got caught in a trap. So I definitely, I didn't remember that he, it's not like he was just being careless and stupid and, and that's how he got captured. Yeah, no, definitely. I think my guess is that little kid me was always annoyed that like he didn't somehow realize that McLeach was setting him up into a trap um, with the egg situation. Yeah. But Watching it as adult, I'm like, well, he's a kid, and like, this this works for me. Actually, it's fine. 
I think he was a good little character. He was not as endearing as Little Penny little in Penny. the original Rescuers, uh, but he definitely was a, a good kid. I mean, you were rooting for him. He was he was a nice little protagonist. He certainly had a a little little heart of gold when it came to protecting the wildlife around him. And was a little OP in his cliff climbing skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there are two characters in this film that share the same voice actor. Can you guess who they are? And if you looked at my thing, then you can't guess, babe. Well, you told me one of them. Did I? Mm, yeah. I'm just going to say, is it... Oh, that's not even who I mean. There are actually four... There's two pairs of characters that are voiced by the, like... Oh. There's there's two characters who are voiced by the same person, and then there are another two characters who are voiced by a different, but same person, if that makes sense. You said that kind of confusing. I did. Me. I don't know how to say this well. There, there are, in total, four characters. No, that's a bad way to do it, too. I think you said two pairs of characters... Two pairs of characters by, that are that voiced by two voice different actress, voice actors. There's actor. four characters voiced by two voice actors. Sure. Okay, I think <laughs> a, a less confusing way to say that is there are two voice actors who voice... Two characters. Two characters yeah. in this movie apiece. We got there, <laughs> there eventually. Go. Thanks, Mom. We got there. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, my guess would be possibly Jake and Joanna... Um, maybe, or, or someone who does Joanna and another voice. Um, gosh. You are on to something. I will give you that. And then hint. I'm just trying to think that I'm just make, trying to think. Does McLeach uh, do Joanna's? And then maybe also the, uh, the eagle, the mother eagle. So, so you're saying. She's guessing I like think the four, noise. I'm not sure if I know. I'm thinking the four characters possibly. I know three of them maybe. Is Joanna. The mother eagle, I forgot her name. Uh, Jake, the guide. So, but who? So you're saying someone voices Joanna, and then what's the other character you're going to pair with Joanna that has one hmm. voice actor? Maybe is it John Candy who also did Wilbur? No. Okay. Um, then is it uh, is the same person who did Jake also the same person who did Joanna? Nope. Oh, well, poo. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, I guess can... the only other. No, I was just saying. I think the only other set that I haven't maybe thought of is the person who voiced Jake, also doing the mother um, eagle. Oh my God! They're six. They're six. <laughs> oh no! Okay. It's not what it's not what you just said, but there are. <laughs> okay, so she told me one already, like during the movie. I told you two, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. The mom, uh, Cody's mom, and the oh. kangaroo that was blowing the horn to alert. Uh, Cody, that there is an Falu, apparently. <laughs> sure. Mm, okay. That there's an animal, or that the the eagle was captured. So right in the beginning of the film, you've got a pair. Okay. There. Yeah. That's uh, Carl. That's Carla Meyer who did. But we shouldn't like do this and not even mention who the voice actor is. Sure. That's Carla Meyer who voices those two. Okay. Uh, and you're saying Joanne has a shared voice act. Joanna. Joanna. Yeah. Sorry. Joanna, Joanna, I think it's said both ways uh, in the film. Uh, with whom? For, I don't know. No more guesses for Joanna's pair? Is it is it that lizard guy? No. 
Okay, I don't know. Well, is it Joanna and the Mother Eagle? Someone who did both voices yes. for the oh, animals? Yes, okay. okay. and Joanna, who are voiced by Frank Welker. Of, of course. It's okay. We've got Frank okay. Welker in here again doing animal noises. Yeah, sure. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Very good. No, yeah. One more pair, though. So, so Jake? No. No. I mentioned is, this is one it, to you. I don't remember. Is it any of the animals in that were captured with Cody? Oh, no. I bet like like the it's none of the people like the koala or nope. any of those that were in there. Oh, okay. Hmm. The koala is Gosh. voiced by Douglas Seal and is also apparently named Krebs. Sure. Huh. I feel like Frank's the only one who we hear a name of. The lizard. Yeah, that lizard was annoying. <laughs> does does uh, John Candy do another voice other than Wilbur? Nope. Just oh, tell okay. us. Just it's, tell us, yeah. It's Mr. Chairman from That's the right. Rescue Aid Society and Dr. Mouse, you who is operating on uh-huh. on Wilbur. You did tell me okay. that. They are both voiced by Bernard Fox, and Bernard Fox is reprising his role of Mr. Chairman. He did also voice him in the original movie. Yeah. There are three voice actors that are reprising roles. So it's him, and then, of course... Bob Newhart and yes. Wilbur, yes. Yes. Well, to be that fair, that was a fun voice actor game. I, I was going to say, to be fair, I was racking my brain for other characters because those last two, especially that you mentioned, were very, very, very minor characters that were just briefly in it. And I'm I would like, argue the most minor was the lady kangaroo and the mom, and then second yes. most minor is the guy who has like two lines or whatever from the rescue aid society and then the doctor who has a decent number of lines but (laughs) right 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 (laughs) but yeah no that's cute that's neat 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 do we do do we want to talk a little bit about the critters that cody was locked up with i mean yeah that guy was really annoying whatever his name was frank frank yes they said his name a lot I liked I liked Frank. I actually liked Frank. Oh my god! Frank, Poor Frank. Frank is voiced by Wayne Robson. Okay, okay. Frank is this little like it reminds me of Jurassic Park. You know the the dinosaur he's a, he's that has a frill the, the lizard. Ne- yeah, yeah. He's a frill lizard. But I, my favorite thing was him just laboriously using his tail to try to open the lock. And then you see him exhausted, like sticking his tail and all of a sudden the lock opens and the door swings open and he hasn't quite noticed it. And then all of a sudden, ah, he's free. But yeah. I like the koala the best. I'm kind of like Jar Jar Binks. I'm pretty neutral about Frank. I don't hate him, but I understand why some people wouldn't like him. Yeah. Mom, do you like Jar Jar Binks? Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't hate on poor Jar Jar like a lot of people do, but it's not like he, it's not like he was my favorite character or I wanted, you know, wanted to just, you know, keep seeing it. But no, I, you know, I'm okay with Jar Jar. Yeah. I feel like Frank got a lot of grief from the other animals, but honestly, Frank was doing the most to try to get them out of there. So, you know. He was just doing a very bad job. He was just doing it very poorly. And he also alerted... Joanna. Joanna, yeah. To them. Ooh, I have one more voice actor thing. Uh, Nurse Mouse is voiced by Rusie Taylor, who was the um, predominant voice of Minnie Mouse from the 80s until oh. her death a year or two ago. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anything else with non-spoiler story, characters, or uh, voice acting? I don't think so. Let's go on then to animation. 
Nelson the Echidna is so friggin' cute. That's one of the little creatures that's following Cody in the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's the one that's an echidna. I don't know if you know what an echidna looks like. I thought it was a platypus, but it's a, an echidna. Yes. So it's, it's got like, it's got like spikies. Yeah. And it's very cute. Okay, okay. I guess. And, and he called out the name Nelson, so. Oh. Okay. All I right, just want to say it was so... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to do my fun fact. I heard this story uh, when I went to a talk at a conference but I'm going to read it from a website so I don't botch it. (laughs) As a junior story artist on The Rescuers Down Under, Brenda Chapman watched as the team tried to tackle a scene where Cody wakes up in the nest of Marahute, the golden eagle. Other writers had the eagle talking, and the moment was clunky, but Brenda recalled a Disney Sunday night movie that uh, Roy E. Disney made about a Native American boy who talked to his eagle, and she approached it in a similar way after discussing it with Glenn Keane. Her pass on the scene is the one that was chosen, and from that point on, Marahute didn't talk. So yeah, she talked about how that scene where basically you have to convey the information about the eggs to Cody, so... And the dead father. Yes. Uh, and then and then give him the the uh, feather. A lot of the original passes had her talking, and it felt very weird. But I think they did a really good job with you know her pass of the eagle not talking, and it made it made the eagle more kind of majestic, uh, mythical because it didn't talk. Uh, yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Like- yeah, because Valerie mentioned that before we started watching the movie, and then when we got through that scene, I was like, yeah, like, that scene would not have worked if she had just started talking once they got to the nest. Like, that wouldn't, that would have been bad. It just would have, it just would have ruined the kind of majesty and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole opening of the movie is gorgeous, especially compared to the original, like, just all the colors and the lushness and yeah, the, the animation. The beginning. Yeah, yes. that's Very what cool. actually, that that's what I was going to say. It was... I loved literally even before you got to the beautiful field of flowers. It also you you had some muted but beautiful colors from the sunset or sunrise. I don't know if it was sunrise, sunset, but you also even had like a little ladybug type, even though it wasn't bright red. The, you already had such a contrast in the openings between rescuers and rescuers down under in just more color, more, more beauty, just, yeah. And then when you scanned across that, that field of flowers to lead into the scene, that quick movement, I just, I just loved it. It combined with the, with the music, um, but just yeah, that I'll talk anima- more about that, that scene in the music yeah, section. But that but yeah. Ana- yeah, that animation was just beautiful, and the yeah, the colors. And even though you know you definitely had a lot of earth tones because you're talking about you know the Australian bush, y- y- it still was a beautiful. I mean, even when they're in the rocky areas, it still looks gorgeous. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they, yeah, the environmental design is just beautiful. And I always prefer a movie that's mostly in the daytime to one that's mostly in the night anyways, so. Definitely. And then to the, I, I keep forgetting her name, but the eagle was just Mar-Hute. beautiful. Yeah, Marhute is just beautiful. Also, her yeah. her fluffy eagle shrug mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. so good. I like her turning her head upside down. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. She's very... Her whole character design is very detailed with all the feathers and stuff. And that is part of why she is only in the beginning and the end of the movie. Because she was difficult to animate. Yeah, they did a great oh, job. Wow. They, they really did. Also, I feel like Cleach's, uh facial animation is stupendous. Uh, yeah, like 
what I first noticed was the facial animation, but as the movie went on, it's like also his body animation. It's yeah. fantastic. Like just the character animation on McLeach is part of what makes him so good. And like they, he's just fun to watch. And they had that comedy bit between him and Joanna with the eggs. That was oh, like that was the blocking so, of that was funny. Yes. Uh, the the back and forth. One of the there, there's definitely some comedy bits that outstay their welcome and are just not all that funny if you're not a child, but that bit is fun. Yes. I feel like, though, it probably would have been gross, but I feel like McLeach should not have had all his teeth. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, it would have been gross. It would have yeah. been gross, but I feel like he shouldn't have. That's fair. Um. Uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah, what else. that's fair. Yeah, they seem to eat a lot of eggs, but no. Um, yeah, I just... Even him with his hat and at, at a scene where he is in the water and that hat is down over his head and then he pulls it up. I mean, just everything was so such good detail. Again, his clothes, that hat, the way he walked, his vehicle, all of that was just such great detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Bianca looks very cute in this movie. Yes. Bernard honestly looks adorable, too. Like, they, their character designs are both very cute. Yeah, they're they're more clean. I, I still think I like... Uh, yeah. It, like I don't think it's necessarily better, one. but it is different. It's different. They they still looked good, but it's just a different interpretation. Yeah. And I think some I th- of the... I feel like she has heavier makeup in this one. Yeah, some of the, the, the fluffiness I felt in the first one, I, I still like a bit more. Yeah. Let's talk about the CGI in this movie. <laughs> there was CGI in this movie, there. and it was pretty hit or miss. Yeah. The opening field of flowers hit, yes. um, probably partially because the camera's zooming through it. Mm-hmm. The CGI on the signal traveling through the world, pretty meh, but it's okay, because we're mostly focusing on that arrow and the fact that we're going through people... But then it becomes outright bad as on the overhead shot of New York. Yes. Yeah, the CGI in New York is probably the most egregious. Yeah, like it was so much better in the first film of Orville. Yes. Orville flying through the, the city than of Wilbur flying through the city. The most painful was probably when he went down yes. and was like street level and the awful blocky yes. cars are like in... Yeah, yeah. it's like, uh, we're just, uh, they'll be black so we don't have to like figure that out and we'll just do headlights. Yeah. And it was also bad to me whenever they had a foreground and a background buildings as he was flying through and the foreground's just so bad. Yeah, like the background's passable, but... Yes, but then that contrasting with that foreground, it just stood out. As, as not oh, good. Also, the Sydney Opera House looked Ooh, very bad. Sydney Opera House was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is um, Disney's, I think, earliest foray into actually having CGI. No, it's not, because that's The Great Mouse Detective. This is one of their earliest forays into integrating CGI into their movies. And a lot of the times it doesn't work very well. But it does work quite well with his truck. His truck looked pretty great throughout the whole movie yeah and it's a cgi object most of the time no they did a good job so yeah they're just they're still learning they they only had it in one scene in great mouse detective because that was like their big where they were trying it out um but in this one they try to integrate it more liberally and yeah it i wonder if the buildings were more cutting corners it feels like a versus like we have to focus and on just the truck not just that but also camera angles of being able to swoop yeah. in a way that's harder to do if it's just regular animation yeah 
Yeah. Well, at least that was, you know, a minimal part of the movie. And oh, just, sure. You know, it doesn't ruin it. And it's certainly less noticeable than the bad CGI on Aladdin's escape scene from the Cave of Wonders. Mm. Um, but it's it's there. And yeah, it's just, it's finding what works and what doesn't work with integrating it. And they 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 got a bit of both. But the when it didn't work, it was, was kind of hard for my eyes to look at. <laughs> but the flowers in the beginning and McLeish's truck were good. Yeah, definitely. What would this movie have been like if it were live action? Do you think you would have enjoyed it as much? I think it's basically the same issue as the first one. Like, your main characters are mice. Yeah. So you have a lot of perspective of mice. Yeah, and, and even that's just the, not... uh, Mara Hute, like, yes. getting any of that as as majestic and, and like... Uh, I don't even know how you yeah. would make Mara Hute seem majestic without being animated. Yeah, well, I mean... I know, I know, never because... story, you have those flight scenes... I mean, let's let's be real. I don't remember the name of the dragon. He looks a little doofy, and that's okay because it's part of the charm. But he's not majestic. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and like the the scenes of uh, Marahute like uh, having Cody skate on the water and all of that. Like you can't do anything. Can of I call that. a little bit of bunk on when she let go of him and he kept skidding on the top of the water instead of falling into it? Yeah. I'm like, I guess I'm supposed to believe that the speed at which he's going is keeping him up, but I don't believe it. Right. Like, he would have fallen. Yes. Still. He could have skid across it on his butt. Yeah. But he's not going to. She started to do, and then she stopped him, but he would have done it a lot sooner. Yeah. But yeah, I don't don't think this movie really, this movie would be bad in live action. It just. Yeah. When your perspective characters are mostly mice. Mm -hmm. Yes, Joanna. Yes. You couldn't have have enjoyed that. And two is McLeach would not, to me, have been nearly as effective. No. Because you. Yeah. 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 His proportions are a little unhuman, but like believable. But like, yeah, they just sell his how he is. (laughs) So, yeah. No, I would not want to see a live action of this. I don't I I don't think I think you would lose what made this. What made this good, I think you would lose the best of the elements that made this good. Yeah. Sound design. It was great. Bruce Broughton is the composer of this one. Completely different composer than the first movie. And no offense to the guy who did the first movie, but way better. <laughs> like the, mu- the music is killer in this movie. Yes. It's really great. And nothing calls it m- more to the fore than the opening of the movie, where we have the slow focus on the bugs and the camera's kind of winding its way through them and it's quiet. And then it just like, the music just hits and we just start running can the camera through through the flowers just charging ahead as that music is like booming and it's such a f- effective way to open the film yeah <laughs> like it's oh, it's yeah. definitely a combination of animation and and music but the music is really like what hits you in the gut when it just goes and the camera starts speeding and it's just uh it's so good and yeah. then it's i mean it's it great is. throughout like his his use of different motifs and stuff that didgeridoo pop up. i love the didgeridoo yeah definitely it's just it's really good adventure movie music it's great definitely um there and then there's no actual songs in this it's not a musical and it doesn't even have shelby Flint flint singing songs <laughs> over scenes so. yeah like what would she even sing over the oh, only thing i could think is maybe we would ruin it where cody's uh riding on marahute 
it would it would be bad. Yeah, that would you have been bad. <laughs> I I don't think that the original Rescuers ever had a soundtrack release. I could be wrong, but if it did, then it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so the Rescuer, the original Rescuers Down Under release, or maybe one of them, one of the releases of that soundtrack, just like throws Shelby Flint songs from the first at the end. <laughs> no. No Rescue Aid Society, though. Oh, bummer. I know, right? Yeah, the music is great in this. Bruce Broughton did an amazing job. Yeah. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? You did a little finger pointing as I said it. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, basically what I mentioned before, Bianca doesn't get to do much in this movie, and that's a crying shame. Like, this, this movie is mostly about men honestly the most prominent lady in this is joanna yeah like joanna gets to do is way more proactive in the actual events of the story than bianca gets to be and that's a shame yeah Yeah. and the uh the jealousy of bernard and jake yeah like trying to woo bianca when she's just like this is my life 24 7 like like this flirting isn't a blip on my radar. Yeah. I know what I'm about. I know who I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. Uh, She's like, I like himbos, and you don't have enough of a heart of gold, Jake. Yeah, you're, you're, ni- you're a nice enough man, but you're too yeah. confident. <laughs> <laughs> Need that dumb. That's an essential part. Um. <laughs> She's like, I like adventure though. So like, yeah, riding on the snake, cool, whatever. Yeah, uh. and, I, and I think I, I think it's probably part of a consequence of their focus of this movie being it being an action adventure. That's what Jeffrey Katzenberg like hyped it up as and stuff. Um, this movie did not, unfortunately, do very well critically or financially, um, which is a bummer. But um, yeah, like it was. Its conception is that it's an action adventure, and that's for boys, you know. Yeah. So they minimize a main lady character, even though she's. One of the two main characters. Yeah, she's, like, quite capable. Like, really, all that she does is just follow Jake around on top of things. Yes. And then a little tiny bit in the end that I'll talk about in spoilers, but not anything significant. Here's something else. At the very beginning, when Bernard is under the assumption that she was talking about their marriage and she's about to go, they're about to go, and she's going to announce that, she said, when he said, you know, don't you need a gown or something thinking that they're going to have a wedding? Cause she's, she's saying we need to do this immediately. Um, and she said, no, I just need some, I think some boots and khakis. I mean, they could have even had her in, I mean, just all ready for the adventure and they could have had her do so many, so many more things. Also, I dearly hope she gets married in boots and khakis. <laughs> It'd be such a look girl. You can pull it off. She could. But yeah, I mean, she could have, she could have done so much and it is such a shame that they squandered, especially knowing that Eva Gabor is, you know, no longer with us. They, I mean, you know, they just squandered that, that great old voice. They could have had her do so much. So that's, that's the biggest thing that I, the only thing really that I noticed. um, Yeah, that's all that I I had. Did you have anything? I guess not. There wasn't any like uh a mouse in the Rescue Aid Society that was bordering on. Oh, yeah. I didn't see any racistly drawn mice offhand. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, my only a question, which I don't know if it really goes in this, is that 
Cody's mother is just out in the boondocks, like this lone house. I know. I was like, I want to know where she gets groceries. Yeah. And she, you know, and, and the only thing that I would maybe even say would be, that would be applicable is you just really saw her doing domestic chores. And in that sense, you didn't even see her again, they're a lone house. You don't see another character. You don't see his father. So he mentions that he doesn't have a father. So to me, it would have made more sense okay, if she's this pioneer woman, then show her with a weapon too, or with something that would show that she could defend herself, you know, and defend I, I guess she's such a non-character in yeah. the movie that it, I, yeah. I don't there's, really feel like there's much to do there. Yeah, like, she, you you literally don't see her face. Yeah, like... Uh, you don't see any of the other you hear her voice like once faces besides, like, the guy on the computer or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, their, their presence is, is minimized, just kind of acknowledgement of like, yes, he has a mom. Yes, she would be sad. The story isn't about her or yeah. like the Rangers in any capacity. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They don't show any, even any of those, the faces, just, just their silhouettes or the backs of them. Yeah. All right. Let's go to our spoiler alert. Skip to one hour, one minute and 42 seconds. Yeah, so the ending really just becomes Bernard's show, yep. um, which is okay, but still let Bianca do something. Like, yeah, all that she really does is help Jake get the keys up so that they can get out of the truck. And just has faith in Bernard. Yeah, and it's like, that's not enough. Let her actually be proactive in helping with this situation somehow. I mean, they didn't even have Jake be really proactive, which I kind of thought that they would like have him like i don't know jump on joanna's tail or something but like he didn't even do anything but i don't care that much about jake yeah bianca is the character from the past movie who i care about and want to see doing things and she just doesn't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. also just the ending is very abrupt like they fly off on an eagle and then have a a fun little comedic bit of wilbur and the hatching birds and then it's over and i'm like did Cody get home? What about those animals in McLeach's base? Like, I know, I know. There's some loose ends here that we are not bothering to tie up at all. I guess it's like, okay, Marahute drops Cody off at his house. Yes. And then Cody tells the rangers, hey, I'm alive. And also, like, there's this poacher. He's probably dead because he was went off a waterfall. But thankfully, this giant golden eagle saved me. So I'm cool. Uh, let's go to his base and free those animals. Yeah, yeah. it's like the first one ended pretty abruptly too, but at least that we got that little scene of Penny on the TV showing that, hey, she gets parents and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, after we have the Wilbur t- talking to the eggs or whatever, could we have like faded into like Bianca and Bernard are looking at a TV as Cody is like there with his mom and they're letting the animals go free from McLeach's base or something yeah. like, or yes. or just there with his mom at the house and then the TV announcer talks about and then uh, he pointed us to McLeach's base and it shows brief footage of like the animals going free like something or even he Cody has one of the animals with him because they like like to stick around sure sure like Frank is oh, like his yeah. new pet lizard or sure something. yeah or, like, yeah but no there's there's nothing it just ends on him flying off yeah yeah and then and then the ending it's like okay these eagle chicklings like little eaglets are hatching are they gonna think what is it wilbur 
is their mom, and so, like, is it now, like, Wilbur and Marahute have to stick together because these eagles think Wilbur's their mom? He's like, sorry, I'm kind of the dad now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's I'm like look, little... I don't want to get with you, but I do feel a little bit of a responsibility <laughs> for these kids now. They're just co-parents. <laughs> It's like, man, oh I gotta God. move down to Australia for a few years. Yeah, like, now... I don't uh, know how long it takes birds to grow up. Yeah, now Bernard and Bianca, like, don't have a ride back to New York. <laughs> I There's know. a lot of questions. Yeah, like, it's... I know, this is true. Way, way, way too many loose ends. <laughs> the gag just, like, brings up too many, too many questions for me. Uh, I like then... y'all's, y'all's versions of some, some good possible endings, though. Oh, thanks. Uh, yes. But yeah, like the, the only other thing kind of Bianca gets to do with Bernard is try not to get run over by that truck at some point. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, like she doesn't do much at all. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't we didn't talk about that Bernard because I um the eggs Bernard um hides hides eggs. hides the eggs and then there's Tricks. an amusing thing where wilbur's like i will not sit on those eggs because that's what bernard's trying to get him to do and then it immediately cuts to him sitting on the eggs yes yes and i'm like yes <laughs> classic comedy <laughs> yeah got it in there yeah so yeah so we we alluded to the fact that it was kind of the bernard show so not only does bernard save the eggs but bernard also disarms uh, McLeach by by taking the keys to his vehicle that he was going to lower Cody into the crocodiles. Oh, and yeah, he rides he just, a boar. Yes, yes, yeah, and he literally saves Cody because Cody like falls into the river, but he already tricked Joanna into knocking McLeach into the river, so the crocodiles weren't going to get him. But he was going towards a waterfall and so with the strength of this one mouse he was able to grab cody's the the rope that was tying him and like keep him from falling for long enough for the bird to get him i think yeah yeah Yeah, the strength of a mouse he yeah he was able to literally drag the rope and tie it you know to and wrap it around some kind of log or something on the side so yeah (laughs) Very, very amazing. Is McLeach our first Disney villain that dies by falling? I don't know. How does Radigan die? Mom, do you remember Great Mouse Detective? How does Radigan die? Does he fall? I don't remember. I remember that they're fighting on Big Ben. I don't remember either. Ursula got stabbed. But anyways, I guess all that I'm saying is that McLeach fell to his death before Gaston did. So he's a bit of a trendsetter. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah, this is true. And also we were we were talking about McLeach stays very menacing. So he, he fights off. What am I even talking about? The very first Disney villain fell to her death. <laughs> oh, um, the, yeah. Um, the history of Disney villains it's... falling to their death goes way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the very. I mean, she also got crushed by a rock, but she hit the ground first, and that probably was what actually killed her. The rock's just there to make sure you know that she died. <laughs> the rock and the like vultures that circle or whatever. So yeah, he's certainly not the first, but he he did come before Gaston. <laughs> Yeah, I like how I like the gag though too, where he again he he definitely is is fending off the alligators with his 
with his rifle, but but then they but then he thinks that ah uh, you know I've completely defeated them all, but no, they just start realizing they're getting close to the edge of the waterfall, and so they start retreating, and he's he's oblivious till and Joanna's just over. like on a rock, like bye. And waves. Yeah. I think yeah, I think she waves. She does. She does. Waves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic yeah. Joanna. Yeah. yeah. Classic, yeah. classic Joanna. <laughs> I love that. I wonder though. what, too, would have happened to Joanna, you know. Joanna's She's probably rascal. fine. Yeah. 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 She'll just go find some more eggs somewhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she's. I do kind of want to know how they met, though. Joanna yeah. and McLeach? Yeah. Maybe yeah. he probably caught her. How did she convince him right. to let her live? Right. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anything else with spoilers? All right, we're done with spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? Easy. I wrote that down once I saw it. The Frank Key scene. I knew it. was it. annoying. I knew that would be your least favorite. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, that wasn't my least. Uh... My least was probably just the stuff with Wilbur and the doctor my and the the mice trying to help him or whatever. That's fair. I don't hate them, but like, you know, they're fine. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to echo that. And especially where they pull out the big saw because that was just uncomfortable. It's like, <laughs> I don't know any good way that this is going to end. So, yeah, yeah, like I, I can't imagine a night uh, use for that that isn't going to be terrible. Yeah, probably those scenes. They, they just could have been shorter. Yeah, I don't know, Frank, I'm just very neutral on Frank, so Frank's whole, like, I mean, I know that, like, storytelling-wise, it's not like they're gonna get out now, like, so I just, I don't know, yeah, I'm neutral about it. So yeah, I, th- I think just the Wilbur and, and Dr. Mice scenes could have been shorter. Yeah, I would yeah, agree. I, what was the point of the whole animals anyway? Like, is it just to kill time for him to make the, for McLeach to make the plan? Because the... Wilbur scenes have a function of kind of keeping taking him out of the game until I think that we're trying to show that Cody's a little more proactive like Cody's helping them with the plan and they try to get the keys the first time and then he's helping mm-hmm. to encourage Frank and stuff like that. I th- I think it's just like showing that he Cody is is not just sitting there, he's trying to get out and then that hit more of him like cooperating with animals and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And also, like, look at all these animals that McLeach has gotten. Like, it's not just this one bird. Like, he has a bunch of these people that he's probably going to kill. Yeah, and the koala is like, you're going to be a purse. You're going to be a wallet. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, like, comedy for kids. Like, Frank is obviously there for comedy for kids. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite scene in the movie? I think mine was the flying scene. I love flying scenes. It reminds me of... Great movies that, you know, where you've got that, whether it's Never Ending Story or Harry Potter or whatever, you know, flying through the air. Yeah, I, I liked, uh, I love that. It, and I, well, taking that back, I, my absolute favorite, I think, was him in the nest with, um, why can't I think of her name? Marhute? Mar, yeah, Marhute. I loved, I loved that. But then I, again, I loved um, when she, she was flying with him. Yeah, no, I was going to say the one with uh, Mara Hute, the the scene Brenda Chapman worked on. It was, like, the bird is, is gorgeous. It functions, like, perfectly as a scene. I'm glad she does not talk. Yes. And, and, yeah, it was fun seeing the bird 
the bird like acting like like a bird. I think my second favorite scene is that where the like getting across the information with the bird. Um, the, my third favorite scene is flying around with Marahute. But my first favorite scene is the opening of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I just really Ooh. love it. Like just the the soft focus on the bugs and then that music just bam and rushing over the flowers. It's an exhilarating way to start. And I I was I was like, I hope this holds up like I remember and it did. It's great. <laughs> I think it's a shame that uh Bernard and Bianca aren't in our favorite scenes i yeah i I mean their presence is pretty minimized in this movie compared to the first it really is it really is like the first movie opened with penny Penny, yeah but then pretty soon after that we meet bernard and bianca and they're there for the rest of the movie but it's like i don't know like a good 14 17 something like that minutes until we even see bianca in in this one which i mean it's not necessarily a negative because that's not entirely where the movie's priorities lie but yeah i mean it's this is the weaker movie if you're in it for bernard and bianca certainly like their characters are lesser and they aren't in as much of the movie um but if you want a fun adventure movie about rescuing a kid i would rather watch this movie least favorite character yeah i'll go with it I'll say Frank. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Frank. Yeah, we, we knew. <laughs> we knew it had oh. to be Frank, babe. Oh, goodness. Um. Although, honestly, for me, it's probably Frank, too. <laughs> like, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I... Well, to me, mine was mine is the koala bear because he was I think he was it was mean him telling all these animals what they're going to become. I mean, he was just adding to their mental anguish. So eh, he's fine. I just here's actually <laughs> here's my hot take. My least favorite character is Jake because he steals screen time from what could have been Bianca's screen time mm. and helps create a love triangle that we don't need. Yeah. Like, you could have told the same basic story of where Bernard is learning to have some confidence and wants to tell her, but stuff keeps messing up that he her his proposal with her being in the lead. And it's like, she's just so focused on the mission that, that she's not able to pay attention or something comes up every time that he does try to propose. Like those things could have happened without an unnecessary love triangle that doesn't go anywhere because of course, Bianca was never interested in Jake. Yes. And Jake just hogs up screen time that could have gone to our Ooh, two actual main you know, characters. That, that's a good point. Yeah, I may have like, to Like, I don't ship. hate Jake as a character, but he doesn't really contribute that much. Nope. I think it would have been fine for him to be in the opening with Wilbur coming in and helped with that. And then they're like, okay, thanks, Jake, bye. And then you don't see Jake again. Like, that would have been fine. Yeah. So yeah, hot take, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Because I think the movie could have been better without him. Who is your favorite character in the movie? Mine is, and... I can't, my brain is just not retaining her name. Marahute? Yeah, I'm saying it. Yeah, Marahute. I think she's my favorite character. That's valid. I don't know. Yeah. I I do really like Joanna. Joanna's a hot mess. Joanna's pretty great. Classic Joanna. Marahute is just, I know, she's great. But but Marahute is just so, so regal and majestic and amazing. I don't know. But yeah, but my close second would be Joanna. Uh, I think I'd have to say Joanna. Just she's her her mannerisms are so good. 
she's like she affects the story more than like Nero and Brutus from uh, the first one. Oh, definitely. Um, McLeish is pretty cool, though. I I think story-wise, she is more the Mr. Snoop of the film than she is Nero and Brutus. Sure, sure. Like, she's the actual sidekick, and she's way more competent than Mr. Snoop is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then her little wave at the end. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh, that's that's a tough break, man. (laughs) Not gonna do anything about that. She's pretty great she's probably my second favorite but yeah i think my first is going to be mcleach he's just he's a fun villain guys like those of you who are sleeping on this movie and don't know that he should be considered a good disney villain he's yeah he's great like he's the voice acting is great george c scott does a great job yeah like the animation top notch yeah the animation on him is so dynamic and just fun to watch he's he has the good comedic moments he but he's also like more than intimidating like he is very intimidating um he has a cool truck (laughs) um yeah he's he's a fun villain and i think he is i think he's more or less what makes this movie for me Mm -hmm. like this movie wouldn't be the same without him joanna and marahute they are the main ones in the movie rather than bianca and bernard yeah and they're great Mm -hmm. if tim curry played a character in this movie who would he play and no, you can't say McLeach. George C. Scott does a great job. We don't need Tim Curry to do that role. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think he could do it. He could do McLeach, but George C. S- I like George C. Scott's rough voice quality. I really yeah. do, too. Yeah. 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 I, I think yeah. George C. Scott is the perfect fit for that role. Yeah, I Jake? think maybe he would make Jake. Yeah, I was going to say Jake. He would make Jake more likable. <laughs> I could see it, but I feel like then they'd try to have him do an Australian accent. <laughs> Because no, Jake's no, whole that thing is, is that he's the Australian dude. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, true. I don't know if you remember the 80s, Mom, but this movie is part of a trend. This is 1990, but still. It's part of a trend in the late 80s of, like, Australian movies. Crocodile Dundee, Quigley Down Under, or whatever. Like, mm, this was part okay. of the America's Fascinated with Australia for a couple of years trend. So you have to have, like, that's why Jake's in here, is because you have to have the character that's the cool Australian who, like, can deal with animals really well and stuff. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Then, yeah, I, I think that wouldn't, that would be a waste of his voice. And, yeah, I don't think that would. Not to knock Bernard Fox, but my vote is for Dr. Mouse. Mm. That could be fun. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a... Uh, Ooh, yes. I think that would a be a short great enough, use of but Curry. impactful enough. Yeah. It could be kind of like a... It can a ha- really ham up the... Like... <laughs> the, like, is this okay? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but do you hear Tim Curry right now? This is not okay. You can't trust this mouse. Uh, yeah, I think that'd probably be the most fun role. Yeah, that would be a great use. That would be a great use of Tim Curry. Yes. Yeah, I, that's my vote. Characters. I don't know Otherwise, else. well, I mean, like, any of the animals, Frank. Not Frank. Not Frank, but... He could have done... Uh, an, the koala. I'm gonna look up yeah. his name again. Krebs. 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 He could be Krebs the koala. Yeah. Mom probably would have liked him more. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but yes. I, I like the Dr. Mouse. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's my vote. That's my vote. Or both. Um, but <laughs> sure. but then but his voice is so distinctive then I think you should and you can still let the announcer for the Rescue Aid Society be Bernard Fox so he still gets to be in both yeah, movies yeah for sure alright let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate this movie who wants to go first 
Well, I, I guess it's always make you, <laughs> Valerie, I'll leave it to you. So I'll, I'll be, I'll try to be good and go. I'm going to definitely, I would recommend it. And I think I'm going to rate it. I think I'm going to rate it a 4.0 because I'm, I'm wavering between a 3.75 and a 4.0. I definitely feel like it, first of all, it had an incredible villain. So it, that way it overshadows the first, um, the negatives of course, or it really minimized, uh, Bianca and Bernard. And that was a bummer, especially Bianca. Yeah. Bianca. Um, I feel like, uh, the animation and the sound, I think gelled even better, uh, than the first movie. I, th- I don't know. For now, I think I'm going to be at 3.75 unless y'all convince me otherwise. But I, I definitely, I think that it had some really strong points. It was enjoyable. It had an incredible villain. It had great, like I said, animation, um, even effective CGI versus ineffectual, good sound, Joanna, you know, just some really good characters, but really bummed that they, what they did to Bianca's character first, you know, is the biggest negative to me. So I'm going to stick on 3.75 and recommend it right now. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll recommend it. It was definitely enjoyable. I'll go with the 3.5. We'll just put it on equal par for different reasons. I like the first one because of Bianca and Bernard. So it's a shame that they were more slighted in this movie. Well, Bianca especially. Yeah, at least um, Bernard got his moment. Yeah. But yeah, the villain is great. The music is great. But... Some of the, like the the CG, some of that misses. And I think even though there were some good characters, I think I just enjoyed the first one overall. More so, that's just a a personal preference. So yeah, 3.5, definitely recommend it. I also obviously definitely recommend it. Um, I think I agree with you in in terms of 3.5. I think that's where I'm going to put it. Uh, I think this, for me, I definitely prefer this movie i i like the original um but i definitely prefer this one even if it definitely has issues um but this is just it's a fun movie it's a it's a it's a comfort movie for me to watch like it's just i just have a good time watching this one um i think the animation is beautiful bruce broughton's score is amazing mcleach is a great disney villain joanna's great marahute is gorgeous bianca has done a terrible disservice and um bernard has some character hits too. Uh, Jake doesn't need to be in the movie really, even though I understand why he is. It's got issues, but I think it's a good movie. So I'm going to put it on like Return of Jafar territory. I quite enjoy this movie, but it's flawed. And I definitely recommend it. Anything that's a like a three or above, I'm definitely going to recommend. And I generally recommend everything that's a two or above. So I recommend both movies, but I prefer this movie. I just I just want to note that even though just like you I scored it higher than the original Rescuers, I'm with Valerie in that the Rescuers is my favorite movie and that's primarily because of Bernard and Bianca, you know, and so yeah. But I I rate this one higher because I just think it was a more beautiful movie and I just feel like it had didn't have the all the isms and yeah i just feel like technically it was a better movie yeah i i think i agree i feel like this movie it just definitely had a higher budget and i think it was constructed a little better 
overall as a movie, even if it is constructed more poorly with some character choices, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I enjoyed John, John Candy's, some of his stuff, but I think he was used a bit much overall. Yeah, I think Orville was, like, had some over-the-top stuff, but was still, like, it was, it was reined in enough. Yeah. Didn't go on too long, but John Candy, it was definitely a little much sometimes. Yeah, but. his whole intro scene with the dancing and stuff on its own would have been fine, but with everything else. Yeah. It just added to a lot of him. But yeah, a good movie. We all recommend it. Next time, we are going to watch a movie that involves dragons in flight. Hmm. Okay. Another one of my classic really on the nose ones. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is about. <laughs> well, I the think it's safe, to, no, I think I it's safe to say that it will involve dragons uh-huh. flying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so until next time, thank you all very much for listening. We hope you had a good time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all again. Stay safe. Um, hopefully we yes. can be a bright spot in these dark times. So uh, take care of yourselves. Thanks for yes. listening. Please like, and subscribe. We'd love to have you um, be a regular and, and, and enjoy these. So yes. thanks for listening and love y'all. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. <laughs>